I'm Tavera Steele. In this week's show, one psychiatrist has an idea to help those struggling to find mental health treatment, new options for beer lovers in New Brunswick, and a special monument to honor those who stand ready. Health officials are proposing a crisis care clinic to help improve mental health care in the St. John region. Dr. Lori Potter, chief psychiatrist at the St. John Regional Hospital, outlined the idea during a recent Horizon Health Network board meeting. This is not a unique phenomenon that we're experiencing in in New Brunswick. The suicide rates are going up um, nationally and internationally, so this is not a unique phenomenon that we're uh, seeing here. So one of the things that happened, uh, the Minister of Health reached out to myself and Sue several times, as well as the Minister of Social Development. So we've had a lot of meetings in the last few weeks with our government representatives, uh, Mayor Don Darling as well. I don't think it's confidential information to know that several of the suicides we have had recently in our community have been very public, very, uh, very tragic. I mean, all suicides are tragic, so uh, our counterparts in government are reaching out to us and asking for uh, thoughts on what's happening and what what we think we can do uh, to help alleviate that situation. That culminated in a meeting last night. Myself and Sue were invited to speak to uh, the Premier, the Minister of Health, Minister of Social Development, Minister of Education, and all of their sort of supporting staff in the government. And one of the proposals we did bring forward was the idea of a crisis care clinic. So similar to physical medicine, which I think would surprise none of you, uh, if you get in hospital, if you're admitted to a psychiatric unit, you get really good care. Um, If you're in one of our intensive community treatment teams, like our assertive uh, community treatment team, you get fantastic care. If you're at the point where you're sort of mild to moderate and you're being followed by one of our community partners like CMHA, you get really good care if you need a crisis support group or or peer counseling. What we've noticed when we looked at um, uh, our current services is there is a noticeable gap in what I would call the two and three levels. So you're not sick enough to need to be in a bed in the hospital, but you can't wait eight months to see someone in in for therapy. So it's those sort of group uh, that right now are are homeless, for lack of a better word. And uh, it's not a St. John issue. This is a New Brunswick issue. I've been reaching out to the chiefs of psychiatry across the province. They're seeing the same thing we are. So one of the things we did propose was, again, a crisis care clinic. It's similar to a model that I started and implemented and launched in Ontario, which we've had wonderful success rate. It's that idea that group, they are the group that's going to the bridge because the only place they have to go is the emergency department. So the idea when a patient is in crisis, they need intensive two to three weeks wraparound service to to really carry them through the crisis, and that doesn't belong in the emergency room. That's not the care they need, but they do need a team to really support them to the crisis, and it's that continuum of care. When we stabilize them, they then can go on to other resources, or if they're they escalate, then they could be admitted to hospital. So that was one of the proposals we did discuss with the, with the team last night. And we also highlighted, based on Sue's stats earlier, the role of primary care. If most of these patients aren't coming to us, we have to ask why. So can we have some kind of better relationship with primary care to support them in shared care models, uh, putting the counselors where the patient are uh, rather than demanding they come to us? And we also talked about non-traditional hours, so being available in evenings and weekends, because right now they don't, you know, they either come during the day or they show up in the emergency department. That was Dr. Lori Potter, chief psychiatrist at the St. John Regional Hospital, outlining her proposal for a crisis care clinic in the St. John region. 
The New Brunswick Craft Alcohol Producers Association is applauding NB Liquor's decision to offer local craft beer in grocery stores. Craft beer and other brews are now available in 66 Loblaw and Sobe stores throughout the province. Danielle McCready spoke with President Sean Dunbar, who also works at Picaroons, about what this means for the craft beer industry. It's really nice that the craft beer sector has been uh, added to the already existing choices of, you know, New Brunswick produced wine and cider in in grocery. I think those guys uh, led the way uh, and consumers really responded well to the New Brunswick products. So that encouraged uh, MB Liquor and the major grocery stores to uh, include uh, New Brunswick small brewer products uh, in the selection too. So uh, it's a big step, a uh, wonderful thing for consumers to have another point of selection for local beer, and we're super happy about it. What are those those products I see here? There's going to be 10 different craft beers from seven different breweries. So what are those beers and where are the breweries? The first offerings, yeah, we'll, uh, we have a, a, a nice chunk of the initial portfolio, and this is really a, uh, a first step, we hope. You know, it's a bit of a pilot project to see how it goes, and then we'll look forward to adding, uh, you know, a full selection of, of all available New Brunswick craft beers as we move forward. Uh, but for now, there are seven breweries uh, in New Brunswick. Let me see if I can get them all. Uh, there's Pump House uh, from Moncton. There is Greystone. There is Petit Soul from Edmonston, Grimross, Maybe Brewing, and Picaroons. Uh, Trailway is in there as well from Fredericton. Most breweries have one product. Uh, a couple of us have two products. And so between the seven breweries, we make up a 10-beer portfolio in grocery. So is this going to be in in all of the grocery stores that are involved? Yes. Uh, all of the participating grocery stores, I believe there are about 66 across the province, who currently participate in the wine and cider and grocery program, will be participating in the beer and grocery program as well. So it's a really big, uh, really big step, really big launch for us. Um, as beer producers, we have uh, about to 42 uh, MB Liquor corporate stores that we service. So adding 66 more stores to our portfolios is a, uh, is a big step up for a whole bunch of little companies. Um, but, you know, we're definitely up to the challenge and we know we have the best consumers uh, around. And so we know those consumers are going to buy the beer off the shelf and keep us busy. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, a lot of a uh, little bit of trepidation and logistical planning and things on all of our parts, but mostly a heck of a lot of brewing over the last couple of months as we all get ready to fill that channel. I know you you are expecting this to you know expand the the outreach of these products. How are you expecting the um, economic impact to be for these small local breweries? Well, it it really has to be a positive economic impact for the breweries and for our employers, our employees, um, and you know for the province. Really, I think this, these will be what are called incremental sales. So they'll be in addition to uh, to beer sales. I think it'll improve the the sales numbers on beer province wide for sure. So it's. Uh, good for grocery, it's good for MB Liquor, it's good for the province of New Brunswick, it's good for our employees, it's good for our companies. All is rosy. And so moving forward, um, hoping that this is successful, which I have no doubt that it will be, um, do you think that more craft breweries will, will get on board and try to get their products on the grocery shelves as well? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, our, our goal as an association is uh, is to find a way to, by spring, really, uh, and by certainly for the summer beer season, is to find a way to uh, include more and more craft brewers. You know, we, we have to take these first experimental steps with grocery till they get used to us and we get used to them. We have to, you know, allow MB Liquor to uh, adjust to the logistics of, of how this all works. It's a it's a very new thing for all of us. Um, grocery probably has the most experience, so they're a little bit more chill about it. But once we get it settled in, we know the system, then the idea is to keep adding and adding whatever consumers want to see in grocery. Um, so hopefully by summer, any brewery in New Brunswick who wants to participate, the goal of our association is certainly to find a way for that to happen. And Sean, I guess this question is really for me. Um, what pick room beers are going to be there? The beers for the portfolio were selected by NB Liquor, uh, and for Pickaroons, I'm really happy to say uh, that our Yippee IPA will be on grocery shelves uh, in cans. And the second product for us is our Feels Good Imperial Pilsner. Awesome. Again, in cans, uh, on grocery shelves, uh, we're just headed to a grocery store now. I'm Danielle McCready. Port St. John is getting national attention for its commitment to employee health and safety. The organization was recently recognized as one of Canada's safest employers by the Canadian Occupational Safety magazine. Pulse MB's Brad Perry spoke with Captain Chris Hall, the Vice President of Operations and Harbormaster. Well, we feel great. Um, the most important thing that we do as an organization uh, is ensure the safety of our employees and all the other people that may be on our facilities. So the fact that we're recognized for doing just that uh, feels very, very good today. And this is so. This is a national recognition. Has has Port St. John ever been recognized for, uh, for with this particular uh, recognition before? We have not. Uh, we had applied previously, but uh, did not make the uh, uh, make it to the next stage. But this year, we certainly did. And uh, I guess what I would uh, what I would add to that is getting to this stage takes a lot of effort, and it takes a strong culture. It takes a lot of commitment to uh, to continuously improve, and commitment to the systems, and a commitment to the people. And, and by the people that are involved in it day to day, and uh, it really requires a lot of uh, a lot of focus across the entire organization, whether it's from our board of directors through to our CEO, uh, across all of our employees. It it has taken a lot of effort, but it is worth every uh, every single minute of it. So I guess what sort of process is involved? You mentioned you uh, you applied for in order to uh, to be recognized. You know what sort of process goes into that actual application and getting to the stage where you're actually being recognized. Well, it was a fairly detailed process, actually. Uh, there was a formal written submission, and we were uh, rated across a, uh, a wide range of, uh, of areas uh, with, uh, within our own performance and the type of systems that we use and the, the type of processes. So it was a, it was a, complex, uh, a relatively complex uh, screening criteria. And this year, uh, with, as a result of our efforts over the last two or three years, we, uh, we certainly, certainly made the grade. I guess uh, as a bit of background, we uh, we started on this journey uh, a few years ago uh, to create the necessary systems and and start the appropriate safety culture. And uh, it, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it takes a lot of time to build that up. And over the last two or three years, uh, because we have uh, have kept our uh, our nose to the grindstone and and uh, all those systems and that have come together uh, through the dedication of a lot of people, and it's resulted in the uh, in us achieving the award. 
And I imagine it must be, you know, a good feeling for the employees who work at Port St. John to realize that, you know, the company puts such a focus on, you know, their safety and overall safety within the company and then to actually be honored for that. I think so. Um, it's certainly very motiv- very motivating when you uh, when you get recognized like this, especially at a national level. So uh, there's nothing like a, a little pat on the back, back once in a while uh, to, uh, to all the folks in the team to say, hey, you've, uh, you've done a great job. And and, you know, that uh, our team has worked very hard to achieve this. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen overnight. And, uh, and we can't rest on our laurels either. Uh, there's always work to do on, uh, on, on a company's safety performance and safety culture. It's not something that just, uh, just comes naturally. Uh, you constantly have to work on it, and, and everyone has to work on it. So uh, it's, uh, it's back to business today. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the systems and processes that helped, uh, helped get us the award are, uh, are still uh, active today. And I guess I should add, too, that, um, you know, we have a lot of stakeholders across the port that, uh, that also have very strong safety values and safety cultures. And uh, that's great to have because we all learn from each other. And, uh, and that was certainly the case with, with our journey. And, and we hope others can learn from, uh, from our experience. And I guess it sounds like, you know, Port St. John is an organization where, you know, it wants all of its employees to be involved in helping to make the company a, a more, an even better and safer place to work, not necessarily just kind of a, a management down approach. Uh, that that's correct. Uh, it has to be. It has to be all the way through the organization, whether it's with the uh, the health and safety committee or uh, the employees on the front line, uh, you know, doing doing the operations out in the field, or even for those uh, folks who are uh, behind a desk all day. Uh, the the same level of uh, focus and commitment to the to the program is required. I've been involved in safety management systems for uh, almost my entire career, and. Um, it's something that it takes a lot of effort, and you just don't uh, you just don't hire a consultant or snap your fingers and and write a few things down on paper and expect it to all come together. Uh, it's a it's a long journey and it's a it's a process, and um, everyone has to be bought in, and uh, that's the point that we eventually got to. Uh, you know, it wasn't easy, but we eventually found that uh, that secret sauce and uh, had the right combination of uh, uh, the right people on our team, the right dedication, the right commitment, and the right uh, the right knowledge to put the right systems together, and uh, and that's where we're that's really where we're at today. I'm Brad Perry. The Gunners Monument Standing Ready will be revealed at a ceremony November 9th at 11 a.m. on Harbor Passage in St. John. It includes the installation of a 105-millimeter gun deployed in a battle position. The gun can be pointed in the direction of various wars and deployments, which the Loyal Company has participated in since its formation in 1793. I had a chance to speak with retired Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Strawn about how the project came about. If you could just give me a little bit of background on how the idea for this monument came about. Well, it started about six years ago while I was CEO. Uh, an offer came down about uh, the possibility of getting a, a retired 105 howitzer that used to be in service with our unit. And uh, I readily agreed that we'd take take one. So once we uh, had made that uh, decision to accept the gun, we had to uh, find a place to put it. So uh, we have an association with, with our regiment, so uh, we, we tasked the association to come up with a location and a format. And uh, we also wanted to try to tie it into the uh, 75th anniversary of the D-Day landing. So... Uh, we, we wrestled with a number of different sites around St. John, from the park to to various locations. Uh, we initially had a, a site 
uh, along the, the walking path in St. John, but uh, we actually, during the initial stages of construction, uh, they discovered some artifacts there. So uh, we had to uh, change plans and move to a different location so as not to disturb the relics that might have been in the ground. So we uh, imposed upon the, uh, the Port Authority to uh, see if they could come up with a piece of land that would be suitable. So we're just beyond the, uh, the, the Canada display on the walking paths and uh, right near the corner where the, uh, some of the port ships actually uh, come to dock. So it's an excellent location, gives a beautiful view of the harbour and uh, allows us to uh, uh, look out and see Partridge Island, which, is, of course, is one of the sites that we deployed uh, to uh, in defense of uh, the Port of St. John during the Second World War. The nice part of this location is I think when the, uh, the cruise ships come in, they'll be able to look down and see this gun monument, and uh, it's such a spectacular display that uh, I'm sure it will draw interest from in tourists and uh, walkers on the, on, the, on, the, on the pedway as well. So, from your perspective, what does uh, what is the significance of standing ready? Well, standing ready, we wanted to make this monument because it's dedicated to uh, the soldiers, sailors, and aviators of uh, New Brunswick who've answered the call to uh, to defend the Brunswick and Canada. Uh, it's sort of a combination, uh, you know. Ready is one of the naval uh, terms for ready, I ready. Uh, it's also a command that the artillery uses to say the gun is ready to fire. And uh, <clears throat> we wanted to incorporate the standing ready uh, concept because we, the regiment has, since uh, 1793, been standing ready to defend the uh, city of St. John, New Brunswick, and, and Canada. So that was really the theme behind the name. And this monument will be a tribute to all veterans from every conflict. Yes, all of from New Brunswick. Yes, from New Brunswick, who have answered the call. So, not just the artillery, but it is uh, you know the gun is the centerpiece, and this monument is really unique in that it's a dynamic monument in the sense that uh, the uh, it's it's actually a replica of a, uh, a defended gun position. There there are sandbags around it uh, that were constructed in some part by veterans from the unit as well as the construction team. So we've got this as a hardened defensive position for a gun. Uh, there are a number of radials off the uh, center point of the gun that would point to directions of conflicts and, and battles that we fought in over the years around the world so that when we have an anniversary such as D-Day or the Boer War, we can actually rotate the gun to point in that direction and uh, carry out a ceremony if uh, if that's chooses to be the flavor of the day. Do you find that that will be a meaningful component? Extremely. I don't think that, you know, I'm, I'm positive it's not a monument like it in the world. It's quite, going to be quite, a, quite an amazing thing to see. Uh, it's been really uh, exciting watching the thing come together. Uh, it's uh, taken, taken, uh, taken a while, a lot of, a lot of work, but uh, the, the uh, Malcolm Boyd, who was the architect who designed this uh, has really done an outstanding job of capturing the vision that we had, and uh, he, he set a new standard for monuments around the world, I'm sure. Uh, there's not going to be a gun monument like this anywhere. And there's also a time capsule included. That's correct, yes. We uh, used a, an old shell casing to uh, create a time capsule, and uh, the, the veterans and soldiers that, sh- that were there during the sandbagging uh, operation got to... Uh, placed little uh, keepsakes and, and things inside the uh, shell casing, and that was uh, placed inside the, uh, the 
concrete when they poured the concrete so that uh, a few hundred years down the road, <laughs> you never know, somebody will, will open it up and, and see what's in there. So it was, it was another nice touch that uh, we did on the uh, sandbag day. So this monument will not only be uh, poignant for veterans, but do you think it'll also be something very symbolic and helpful to, to young people that maybe are not familiar with these conflicts? Yes, I think it will. It, 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 it's it's you know it's a very dynamic thing. It's going to be lit up all the time. So uh, I think that anyone walking along the path, uh, there's storyboards there that explain what the regiment did and uh, where where we fought. And uh, it it I think will make any New Brunswicker proud of uh, of what we've accomplished on behalf of the, the province and the country. And you're having a a big unveiling. Yes, the unveiling is uh, taking place on the 9th of uh, November, and uh, our guest of honor is the Lieutenant Governor. So uh, <clears throat> she'll be, we'll be firing a, a Vice Regal salute upon her arrival and uh, add a little extra pomp and ceremony to the event. And then uh, we have the gun uh, covered under a shroud, and uh, we're going to use the three branches of the service to uh, assist us pulling off the, uh, the covering and the uh, uh, we'll read the inscription that's on there that uh, talks about the dedication of who it's dedicated to, and I think it'll be an outstanding event. We're, we're expecting a pretty, pretty large crowd. And are you encouraging members of the public to come down? Oh, for sure. It, it's definitely open to the public. This is a third field regiment, the Loa Company. It is the, the city's and the, and the province's regiment. We've been here for 226 years, so... Uh, we we uh, take great pride in our relationship with uh, citizens of the, of the province and the country. Anything else you would like to add on this? Uh, just that uh, I, I'd encourage everyone to come out and have a look. Uh, if you can't make it on the 9th, uh, please uh, take a walk down the, the Pedway and uh, have a look at this display. I mean, it's, it's, it's breathtaking to stand up there in that gun position and, uh, and sort of picture how soldiers... Uh, stood in these gun pits, and these gun pits were really designed to protect soldiers from uh, other enemy batteries firing at them while they're trying to support our own attack. So uh, it gives you a, a feel for what it must have been like uh, back in the, in the two world wars to be in a trench like that and firing away and having them fire back at you and having to stand in and do your job. Uh, really an inspiring monument. The Gunner's Monument, Standing Ready, will be unveiled next Saturday at 11 a.m. on Harbor Passage in St. John. That's it for this week's show. I'm Tamara Steele.